Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Vaughn from the Vine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I'm excited that you are walking with me. What we do each day is we look at about three chapters of Scripture that I'm just organically reading through in my time with the Lord, and we're going to discuss them for around 20 minutes. You're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters individually, but hopefully together we'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord as we're meeting each day. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is from Isaiah 46, 47, and 48. And I hope you're enjoying this time in Isaiah as much as I am. Um, it's one of the longer books in the Bible. We, well, we've kind of started with a lot of long books in the Bible. And uh, so it's spending a lot of time. In each one, and um, the, our next book, actually uh, Jeremiah, is uh, technically the longest book in the Bible by way of uh, word count. According to the Hebrew and the Greek, it has more words in it than any other uh, book of the Bible, which is interesting. We know Psalms has the most chapters, has 150. Uh, chapters, but by word count, Jeremiah is actually longer. So we still have these really long books to read through. Uh, then it starts to, you know, move, uh, you know, slightly faster. You know, a week or two at most into each chapter, whereas or into each book, whereas we're right now we're kind of spending a month or more into each book. But I love, um, I love Isaiah and just you know, kind of the just a reminder of kind of what's been taking place to lead it up until this point is these are prophetic words uh, for God's people and God's people had disobeyed and they had not held tightly enough to the commandments of the Lord. They weren't making it the pursuit of their life to obey God. Yeah. And you know, we, we, we want to judge them for that because we watch their history over and over and over again, you know, and it's like, man, God keeps doing his thing and they keep forgetting him and getting caught up in their own stuff again. And, you know, then they, they fall wayward and they begin to worship other gods and they forget all about the one true God. And then, and then God will, at that moment, over and over again in history, he'll take his hand off of them for just a time. And he'll actually rouse up another nation or he'll allow the enemy then to come and, and take some of that ground. And um, it, we know from Scripture, it pains him do, to do that, to see his children uh, to be you know, taken captive. And this took place, you know, with the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah, the kingdom of Israel, the one that was split between Rehoboam and Jeroboam following the reign of Solomon. And then Assyria comes and takes Israel captive. Then a hundred or so years later, Babylon comes and takes Judah captive. And in Babylon is where we have our stories we're familiar with, with Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then eventually it's the exodus out of Babylon back into uh, Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the temple, which is actually where we started this whole journey together at. I think we started in 
around in Ezra and Nehemiah. And that's actually what's taking place there. So we just remember the Bible is not chronological. So we're not, so we haven't been progressing down the timeline. Now we're in a place where we're at King Hezekiah and they're still, they're still in this kind of wicked pattern and they're going to be taken into captivity. And it's, and, and they know that this bad time is awaiting them, yet they're already receiving promises of the good that's going to come through the bad times. And so they're already given everything that they need to endure the difficult season that's ahead. That's how God works. He supplies for us all that we need for every season, the good seasons and the bad seasons alike. And He uses everything. He doesn't waste anything. They needed this time of captivity. They needed it. And, um, because they, just like we need hard seasons sometimes, just like we need droughts sometimes, just like we need to row hard against the wind and the waves sometimes. These things are all, uh, refining us. And without the refining, there can be no real changing. And without the real changing, there can be no reflection of God's glory, which is my purpose here. We read that yesterday. He said, I made you to show my glory. That's your existence. That's why you're here. And kind of to go full circle, we can be so judgmental against the people uh, of Israel and how they would, well, they just forgot his commandments again. You know, today's 46 and 47 and 48. Well, at the end of... 48, he says, uh, Oh, that you would have paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand and the and your descendants like its grain and their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. And so that's the end of 48. Uh, which is rare for me to go to the end first, but sometimes I, I need to, right, just to make sure I get it in. But, you know, that that word is exactly what we're talking about. It's the exact theme of Isaiah is, oh, that you would have just been about me and seeking me and being in my word and obeying my commandments and making that the pursuit of your life. If that would be the pursuit of your life, then I could have made your vats overflow. I could have made the streams never run dry. I could have blessed your generation and outnumbered your offspring. What he's saying is, but you were so concerned with blessing yourself that you never gave me a chance to bless you. And I want to just point that out today as the word of the Lord, that we still wrestle with that. And we don't get the right to look back at Israel and think, oh, Israel, you silly old people, always seeking after pleasure and comfort, right? You know, it says that too. It it specifically speaks to, um, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, it specifically speaks to them. And it says, uh, now hear this, you lovers of pleasure, you lovers of pleasure, and it's talking about Babylon, but they were, Israel had become like, like Babylon, right? They had become these lovers of pleasure. That's the way the world is, church. Listen, the world is just as Babylon. They're lovers of pleasure. It says in, in chapter 47, they're lovers of pleasure. <clears throat> 
and you say in your heart, no one sees me and your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray because you say in your heart, I am he and there is no one besides me. That is the wickedness of the world is to get to such an arrogant state. And you think about this. This is, this is literally the epitome of the wicked heart. I don't say that in a judgmental way. I just say it in, in truth and in love that the most wicked state that the heart could get to is, is twofold. It's, it's a one, two punch. It's a, that I am a lover of pleasure, meaning from the time that I open my eyes until the time that I close my eyes at night. The only thing that I pursue is pleasure, whether that be in way of alcohol, whether that be in the way of drugs, whether that be in the way of money, whether that be in the way of sex, whether that be in the way of pornography, maybe all of these things, whether that be in the way of recognition or gaining in my career. It's just all about me all the time and what makes me feel good. It's a place of being addicted to my emotions where I'm just always chasing emotional highs. It can be places of gluttony, right? You know, it's actually the same heart that wakes up for a high that sometimes wakes up for a Twinkie. It's the same heart that's addicted to pleasure. Now, there's, there's worse repercussions to the heart that's always wanting to be high than the heart that always wants to be uh, gluttonous. But the heart is the same. The heart is addicted to pleasure. That's A. B is to have this heart that says, I am he and there is no one besides me. Meaning, I live my life under no one's authority. Right? No one gets to say to me what's right or wrong. I choose for myself. I don't submit to anyone's government. No one is beneath. No, no, I am beneath no one. I choose what's right. Right? And so that, that was the way that Babylon was. That was the way that Israel had become. And that is the way that America is becoming. Both of these statements. I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be one of those preachers punking on America. When I say America, I'm saying we, if you live here. Okay? That's you. Okay? So don't, don't shake your fist at Washington, D.C. We are America. And the pattern of America is exactly this wicked pattern that we see in Babylon. And, you know, I'm not trying to be the prophetic guy to say we're about to crash and burn. I'm just pointing out to you to say, listen, when the wickedness of people's heart exceeds their desire to seek God, ruin always falls. And we can sing the the national anthem and do the Pledge of Allegiance and say it's one nation under God all we want to. That doesn't make it true. Okay, to be under God is to be the exact opposite of what the, the way the kingdom of Babylon was, which is lovers of pleasures who say in their hearts, I am he and there is no one besides me. But that is literally what we see right now. We're lovers of pleasure. We're addicted to technology. We're addicted to putting ourselves in front of screens and being entertained. We're addicted to YouTube. We, we, we're addicted to, we're constantly being pleased. We have generation of children raising up. They don't even know how to play outside anymore because they're so used to other people pleasing them, right? They're so, they're so addicted to such instant gratification all the time. They don't even like to eat broccoli or anything that grows from the ground because we're so addicted to pizza rolls and hot pockets. We're, we're totally hooked on pleasure totally hooked on pleasure 
And then there's a tired generation that's even worse than that, that is growing up and saying, I am he and there is no one besides me. No one gets to tell me what's right or wrong. I'll sleep with who I want to. I'll dress how I want to. I'll go where I want to. I'll do what I want to. Right? Even the the entire jail system has fallen apart. I, over the last couple of years, I've heard story after story after story about people that are doing things that would have locked them up for 10, 15, 20 years, and they're out on bail. They're out on probation in a matter of a few weeks. They're right back in the streets again. The jail is losing the ability to actually say that what people did was wrong anymore. I'm dead serious. We, we've lost our moral compass. There's no line anymore. So you can't actually, well, you were, you're, you're a pedophile. You, you've slept with this child. You've molested this person. You raped this people. And it's like, we don't even know where to find the line at anymore because we've been preaching for the last five years, sleep with whoever you want to. And now we want to convict this person because they're 40 and the child was nine. But it goes against our message. And we have the heart of saying, I am he and there is no one besides me. So who gets the right to judge me? So I'm just stating this is the wickedness of America. Now, I don't, I don't mean to rouse you and get you frustrated and angry or feel like you have to move somewhere else. It starts with each of us individually saying, that's not who I am. I am a child of God. I will, instead of devoting my life to pleasure and instead of being offended when the Word of God says that it, when the Word of God opposes something of my life, I'll choose the Word of God over my feeling. When preachers and teachers and pastors stand up and they speak something that goes against my life, I'll submit to the Word that they spoke instead of finding a new church where they won't speak that Word anymore. That's the same as saying, I am, and there is no one besides me. No, we'll, we'll submit to you, God. We'll submit to you. We'll humble ourselves before you. Right? It's like Second Chronicles says, if my people who are called my, my name, right, will humble themselves. If we're willing, he says, then I'll, I'll restore them. God is in the business of restoring people. But he can't restore those people who are addicted to pleasure and have and have dethroned him and no longer will 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 follow the decrees that he set. And so where did we fix this? We fixed it on the individual level. We don't fix it in the election. We didn't fix it in this last one. We didn't fix it in the one before that. We won't fix it in the next one either. Don't even waste your time with all your political, you know, solutions and everything. It's just, I'm just being honest with you. It's never been the Bible's way of fixing anything. I know that the Republican Party has convinced every Christian alive that politics are the way to save souls, but it's not biblical, okay? And the Democratic Party has convinced everyone that the way to save our world is through trying to create more social justice and 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 being more sensitive to every race and every culture and every sexual orientation. And they're trying to literally change the word love to where it means toler- toleration or acceptance, and that's not going to fix anything either. Politics aren't going to fix this, okay? The only way that's going to fix anything is by me and by you choosing I will be a lover of God more than I'm a lover of pleasure and I will submit to his word I'll do what Israel was supposed to do I will position my entire life towards just pleasing you and obeying your commandments and I will let you do the blessing of me I will surrender my desire to bless myself 
And instead, I will seek to bless you. And I will let you bless me. That's that. That's what it takes. It's a simple word, but it's the, the it's everything that God was trying to accomplish in Israel, right? It's everything I believe God's trying to accomplish in America. And we're looking at all this other stuff, and we think somebody's got to be in office, and somebody's got to do this, and you know all this stuff's got to happen, and it all. No, it's 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 actually each of us. Especially the church, because the worst, the worst thing about it is, is the people that are already identifying themselves as Christians that are truly still just lovers of pleasure and that truly have said, I am he and there is no one besides me. But I love Jesus. Oh my goodness, don't you put that at the end of that. <laughs> don't you say you're a lover of pleasure and I am he and there is no one besides me and no one gets to determine whether I'm right or if I'm wrong. But I love Jesus. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments, period. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. He made it real plain and simple for us. And so we have to come into that. And that's where they had to come to. That was the that was the the define. I'm not just ranting today. I'm really talking from what these chapters are, are talking about. That's what they had to decide. You for Israel, you've forgotten me. Now you're gonna be refined by me. Because you have to. Because you're my you're my demonstration to this world. If you don't look like me, they'll never see me. Church, that's us. If we don't look like him. They'll never see him. They'll die. They'll be separated from God forever in eternity. So yeah, sometimes you have to walk through fire because God has to refine you. Because if you don't start looking like him, then there are people in your sphere of influence that will never see him. There are people at your workplace that will never see who God is if you don't start looking like him. And we whine about it. Oh, I really don't like my job. Maybe that job that you don't like is God's way of creating in you his own character and righteousness so that you'll stop playing the harlot. So you'll stop saying you're a Christian with your lips but chasing after pleasure just like anyone else and saying I am he and who and who is besides me. No one's besides me. I choose my own path. I choose what's righteous for myself. We must... We must look at things and understanding that the goal isn't that I'm happy and I have everything that makes my heart happy and I'm pleased. It's not the goal. That's America's goal. That's not my goal. Ever since credit was invented, <laughs> even the church's goal, well, all of our goals kind of the same. You know, well, white picket fence, big house, big car, good looking family, you know. And then it's all about retirement. It's not the goal. I know it's America's goal. It's the pattern of the world. Don't get caught in the pattern of the world. Let your mind be transformed by the word. He wants to transform our minds so that our goal is entirely different from that. My goal is to love you, to obey you, and to reflect your glory to this world. That's my goal. I don't care if I'm famous. I don't care if I'm rich. I don't care if I have everything that I want or not. But I'm going to spoil something for you. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag on this. I've been living my life this way. Best I can. I'm a person just like you. And yeah, I have seasons where I become a lover of pleasure. I do. I get caught in this stupid pattern because it's the pattern that we live in. And it's so hard to, 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 to live differently from the, from the soil in which you stand on. It takes constant consecration. It takes time spent in the Word every day. It takes being in His presence. It does. It takes 
submitting and letting the Holy Spirit flood your heart and your mind again. It takes that because otherwise we get caught back in the pattern of the world. But for the better part of the last probably seven, eight years, I have really sought after the Lord and really made my number one priority to obey Him. Here's the spoiler. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Because the promise is for those that delight themselves in the Lord, He will fulfill the desires of their heart and that the godly and the upright shall lack no good thing. It's an easy surrender, guys. Surrender your ability to chase after your stuff and listen to my little whisper in your ear that says, it's okay, he's going to give you everything you ever asked for and more. It's okay. You can go ahead and surrender your ability. You can go ahead and surrender your desire to bless yourself all the time and just start seeking his word and how to obey him and how to love him more. Because he's going to give you infinitely more than you could ask for or imagine. My wife is pregnant now with our fifth child. He is outnumbering <laughs> my descendants. <laughs> well, one, two, three, oh, four, oh, five, five, right? <laughs> Six, you know, he's doing it, man. I was thinking about it this week. You know, I know people that make five, ten times as much money as me. Literally, I'm not just exaggerating. And it's so funny because... They don't actually have anything more than I have other than pay stubs. I don't get it. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. I'm not, I'm not, that's not a judgment because they don't know how to steward their money. That's just me saying, it doesn't matter what the stub says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He takes care of me. Whether the stub says it or not, I always have all that I need and more. Isn't he good? Man, he's so good. He's so good. All right. These chapters were 46, 47, and 48. And that's what we were talking about today. It's just how good he is. And how we're going to go through difficult seasons, but the Lord's going to use these difficult seasons to refine us because we have to reflect his glory. And then our day-to-day pursuit has to be obeying His commandments. And then we get to experience peace like a river and righteousness like waves of sea. And then our offspring become outnumbered like the sand. Then we get to experience His blessing when we surrender our abil- our desire and our ability to, to bless ourselves and we just start to seek to bless the Lord. And something supernatural takes place when we make that decision. It's a difficult decision and it goes against the pattern of the world. But it's the only hope for us And it's the only hope for America.